Hi Mamas. Or Mamas to be, I'm Kayla. And I'm Tara. And welcome, welcome to, to Motherhood, Motherhood Leaked. We're two first time mums leaking unfiltered tales of motherhood. Being there, getting there and possibly getting lost along the way. Let's, Let's chat. chat. May contain swearing. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Motherhood Leaked, our 20th episode. Whoop, whoop. Hi Kayla. Hi Tara. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? How's your week been? It's been a good week. I mean... We had both of us had a, a highlight, um, as in like a first for you and a first for Ellie. And I'm glad that you got to experience it together. And <laughs> Sorry, I was there I'm to witness like it. A big <laughs> so yeah, we went to play group this week um, yep. at the Benevolent Society. You and I both have been going there since the boys were very young. Yes, how we um, went. We haven't been for part a while. Of our romance. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> reminiscing. Um, we haven't been back for a while, but yeah, we managed to get there with the boys, and it was a. Uh, cultural experience that's for sure it was and it was awesome it they was did amazing. such a good job considering we were bad buzzing it at first because usually where the playgroup is is fenced in and we're like great just like the kids run a mark and we just mm. sit back a little bit and have a chat um when we got there there was a sign on the door saying no playgroups over in the park which is very open and like yeah, no fences no fences <laughs> so we we're both like oh yeah we were not vibing at all we were and it turned out to be great. So there was um, a lady named Leilani who was running. Um, it was, yeah, I guess it was just like cultural immersion for the kids really. Into yeah, like well, she's what, a First Nations woman. Yeah. Um, yep. And she had like ochre there and was showing, Elliot like, really cool. was loving that. Like she, she painted his face. She painted Bo's face. Um, she made damper. They had instruments. Uh, it was and so then came good. Oh, the yeah. experience for you and Elliot. Oh, yeah. So she had some witchetty grubs and was telling us about how um, – her grandmother would use them to put on the baby's gums for teething, which I found so interesting. Like yep. I'm so into like plant medicine and all that kind of thing. And I was like, wow, isn't it interesting that we have all this stuff on our land here in Australia? Like we know a lot about eucalyptus oil and tea tree oil and that kind of stuff. But like the witchetty grub thing goes like, further. Oh, amazing. Yep. But anyway, she offered um, for us to all try them. <laughs> and Tara was like, yeah, you jumped yeah. in really quick. I, I was- did. I don't even know what came over me. Brenton's like, you only eat thick chicken and you're going to eat a witchetty grub. <laughs> I don't know if it's because I'm pregnant. I was just like, which in, like I should have been worried. Everyone else was like, you're pregnant. I'm like, am I allowed to eat this? And she's like, it's probably the most natural thing you've eaten all week. Yeah. You're like, not, not. I'm like, yeah, yeah fair not call. Wrong. Fair call. So yes, you did. And I, um, Elliot and mind you, have... they weren't, uh, when she first said, do you want a witch dick rub? I thought they were dead. I'm not going to lie. I thought they were like not moving. No, they were fully alive. Yeah. When she handed it to me, it was squirming. Oh, <laughs> oh I was just, yeah, I couldn't personally do it. But Elliot must have got some inspiration from oh you because he looked at you and then he went, try some, yep. try some. And I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. Yep. We're like, All and right. mind you, I had a little one. It was tiny. And it like. Tara's was the popped, size of a maggot. Tiny. Popped it, in your mouth. It was like a weird, very weird texture. Um, Elliot had the biggest witchy grub. <laughs> he could barely fit it in his like, mouth. Like, <laughs> look at your thumb right now, people. Look at your thumb. And yep. that's the size of this witchy grub. It was yeah, huge. It was, it was squirming. Huge. And I wish, like, we do actually have photos and footage. So we should put we it should up. We should share it. Because his facial expressions throughout it were just, like, told a story. It was amazing. I loved it. He just, like, took it. He just, like, put yep. it in and, like, munched away and yeah and yet Bo was taking a leaf out of Kayla's book and didn't want to have any but no, he Bo kept telling everything back and like you two you do yeah. do you but we are not partaking he kept telling everybody he goes mum ate a caterpillar so now I have to try and tell him not to eat caterpillar because if he thinks like I've eaten a caterpillar <laughs> he thinks it's okay I don't oh, even know God. how to separate that but that's another day <laughs> how do I navigate that one that's it oh, yeah, but so we do was... want to try and get um Leilani on the podcast, podcast because we we're really interested like you know in the cultural differences of raising babies and you know oh, all the hacks so interesting, like the conversations we had so that's um exciting yeah that we're gonna have that in the future um other than that this week 
my big achievement that I'm sitting well it's not even an achievement I shouldn't call it that <laughs> Elliot just slept last moment. night like he slept through like which is Completely. a big thing. yes well he okay so no. sometimes when you say slept through you still so he work. slept through from the point that I was there because I did actually get to go I went to a spa last night with a friend of mine and had oh, a dinner lovely. so that was great and oh, then I got home nice. and he'd just woken up before I got home from since he'd gone to bed so he went to bed at his usual time and then woke up I think it was like 9 30 yeah um and then went back to sleep and then we both all of us slept until 5 30 this morning that is hectic. It was great. Did you check his breathing when you woke up or was he awake hell, first? No, I could hear him breathing and I was like, hell no. I was like trying to say so, so still because oh I was my, like, oh is that the, When is that? Is that the first time ever or is Since there... that I've been really? around. Yeah. Well, I want to say when I've been around, I'm not, I don't go anywhere. But like I, when I went away, remember how I've told you about <laughs> yep, the three yep. nights away on the second night of me being away, he did the same. That's he right. Through. That's right. But yeah, I just feel a little bit more human today. Um, so yeah, so to all refreshed. the mummies who are feeding their kids to sleep, rocking, doing the things, cuddling at night. Hope. Just keep doing it. There's hope. I mean, it, it will happen at one point. But anyway, other than that, anything else for you this week? We're picking up a toddler bed today, which, as I said to Kayla, we'll probably never use. But we're going to have the bed there. It's a milestone. It's, there. Still it's a milestone. It. It's being picked up. We've got Bo's second birthday on Thursday. So excited um, and also a bit oh, like emotional man. about it. Um, but, yeah, so we're picking up a toddler bed. I'm going to let you know how we go with the transition. So I'll are probably... you going to set it up for his birthday? Is this like nah. a – Oh, okay, you're just going to put it in there. Put it in the garage. Oh, Mum okay. and Dad come up on Thursday, so I need the space. So I'm like, <laughs> we'll wait till they leave, then I'll, I'll just deal with that then. Okay, so One you're buying it, time. One step at a time. Got the bed. That's the main thing. That it's is. there. Mm-hmm. It's there. Um, and also, our 20th episode, we have our first guest. <gasps> so we just finished recording, and I feel like we're both buzzing. This episode was so great. Like, it was really informative. I feel like it was super informative, very honest about our own experiences, but also, yeah, just like, I think it's just, we covered so many topics that are going to be so helpful for women yeah. that are pregnant. Alison Jeffrey from um, Chevron Island Physio is just so knowledgeable and like mm-hmm. inspiring. She's just so passionate about what she does. Yeah. And like, it just makes you, I don't know, just gives you energy. It it's does. Great. And I think we should just get in today, today's episode on that note. Absolutely. Let's go. And welcome back to another episode of Motherhood Leaked. And we're so excited today because, first of all, it's our 20th episode, so go us. Yay! <laughs> we made it. And secondly, we have a guest on our first like episode. How exciting. <laughs> I'm so excited. Welcome, Alison. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you guys today about some pretty interesting topics. Absolutely. We are so excited. So we've got Alison Jeffrey here um, from Chevron Island Physio and um, Chevron Island Ladies on Instagram as well. Thank you. Um, and we are so excited to talk all things pelvic floor. So I was lucky enough to meet you a few weeks ago yep. and have my own pelvic floor assessment. But we'll get into that because it wasn't the entirety of what you would have liked from me at that time. But I was <laughs> I was about to get my period and I was like, okay, Alison, maybe not the internal vaginal exam today. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm really glad that we got to connect because I know for me personally, going through pregnancy, um, there was definitely times where I was like, oh, I probably should have gone and seen a pelvic floor physio, but I just didn't do it. Yep. Um, it's a common story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then having a cesarean, I experienced some things that we chatted about in that um, session together. Yes. And just in that session, I just really felt like there is a gap in the system with the way that women are supported 
through pregnancy, but definitely postpartum in their pelvic floor. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So did you want to start by introducing yourself and letting us know a bit more about you and the work mm. you do? And um, we'll go from there. Sure, absolutely. So um, my name's Alison Jeffrey. I am a women's health uh, physiotherapist and have been working in this area for over 12 years now. Yeah. Um, I... I think it first sparked my interest to kind of start working in the area of women's health. I had some aunties that kept complaining about leaking with coughing and sneezing and I really just didn't have the answers um, to give them. So um, once I started looking into uh, all the different areas of women's health, I just realized it was something that resonated with me and I I think my body was kind of teaching me about women's health um, my whole life. I was a... Um, quite high level gymnast I experienced leaking then as quite a young um, you know under 16 years old yeah um, which at the time I didn't think anything of it but now I think oh now I know what that was yeah Um, diagnosed with PCOS when I was about 17 um, diagnosed with adenomyosis so I've had lots of um, women's health conditions that made me um, I guess um, become more aware of certain conditions as well yeah um, but also once becoming a mum too you kind of realize how much support you need mm. and um, trying to find the right people isn't always that easy so um, became my mission to be able to empower and educate ladies about pregnancy and their births um, and be that support person that can help to make this very exciting but sometimes very tricky and stressful um period of our lives um more comfortable and more enjoyable yeah absolutely yeah how many kids do you have i have three children yep um i've got two boys and a girl so seven five and one and a half wow busy yeah (laughs) (laughs) um yeah but uh yeah i love it so i've i've always been a working mum. i went back to work very early with all of my babies um so i yeah that's worked well for me and my family. Yeah. And Is there anything you, you found that helped um, that balance, like of being a working mum and being able to come back to work? Um, is there anything that helped you become, you know, being able to balance that? Yeah. Because it's huge. Um, absolutely. Accepting help, I yes. think, is the biggest thing, <laughs> um, which I'm sure we're all um, guilty of not wanting to accept that help. But without that, there's no way I could have done what I um, would have done. I have done by coming yeah. back to work early yeah. um, and just, I guess, having lots of lists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love a list. Yeah. I, I very much love a list. <laughs> yeah, trying to be organised and scheduled and um, fitting as much in a day as possible. Yeah, mm, definitely. Well, we had um, we had some questions ourselves, Tara and I, but we also put it out there to like our followers um, yeah. on our podcast page, but on our personal pages as well. Um, so we might get started with yeah, those, we've got a few questions. Yeah. So leading on from what I was saying with the session that we had together, yeah. um, a question that came through was how is it, how important is it is it to have an internal pelvic exam? So um, I know that what I was saying before you would have ideally liked that for me. Um, so this person was actually given the okay by their physio that their pelvic floor was all clear, all good, but without yeah. the internal exam. Mm-hmm. So can you elaborate on that and give us your opinion? Yeah. I mean, um, we would never force any patient to have a vaginal examination if they weren't comfortable with one. Um, absolutely. We can get as much information from other assessments as we can, but the gold standard really is to do that vaginal examination. And without that, you you can't substantially assess 
um, pelvic floor strength, endurance and coordination, um, which is all very important when it comes to function and risk of having um, pelvic floor conditions as well. And you really can't properly assess for prolapse, um, Mm -hmm. connective tissue disorders and those types of things. So um, yeah, I mean, there are, we, we have an ultrasound in the clinic that mm. we do use for assessments as well, but really that shows us direction of pelvic floor movement and not much else. Okay. Um, so yes, that's good to know if someone can lift and relax their pelvic floor. Um, but it doesn't give us much more information than that. So the vaginal examination does give us a lot more information. And also we use those examinations in um, pre-birth assessments as well that give us a lot more information about birth um, trauma risk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you definitely can't assess that any mm. other way. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> that's... really find a physio that's going to be at least asking if they can go ahead and do that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I guess that can lead into like what a standard – so if you were booked in for a standard consult mm-hmm. in regards to your pelvic floor, yes. what would that look like? How Like what would that involve? Yeah, so we always do a thorough subjective um, examination. So uh, if it was something that you were coming in post-birth, we would go through your whole birth history. Yep. We'd go through your whole history of any pelvic floor conditions and that's okay. like through childhood, that's um, during pregnancy, that's in the initial stages um, postpartum as well. Yeah, And then um, we also look at – histories of things like chronic constipation or chronic coughing chronic hay fever all of those types of things have a big impact on your pelvic floor so there's lots of questions that we'll ask in a subjective exam that will give us quite a bit of information about what we might be finding on that um, vaginal examination anyway so yeah we generally go into a physical examination already having a fairly good idea of what we might find yeah right. and then that's kind of confirming um, or denying because sometimes it doesn't always add up yeah um, mm. that uh, we can kind of make sure that it all fits together in the clinical picture um, which allows us to give you a more accurate um, diagnosis and therefore yeah. treatment approach following. Okay. And I yeah. think some women obviously put things off and put it off because it seems a bit scary. Like yeah. when you come in, you have to, you know, hello, hello world. <laughs> yeah. Um, is it painful at all? I think that might be a question. Like, is the internal exam painful? Yeah. No, for most ladies, it, it won't be painful at all. Yep. So um, it is a very... Um, clinical examination we have the ladies draped with a sheet yep um we are assessing anatomy yeah um it could be painful for someone who has had a history of pelvic pain so that might be my ladies that have a higher tone pelvic floor or they've had trauma in the past um which can create sensitivities in that area as well yeah so there would be a selection of people that might find it uncomfortable but for the majority of ladies absolutely not yeah and it's more mentally uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Yep. And um, I think as well, once we explain the reasoning behind why it's important um, and we we always give the ladies the option, I always make sure I blanket saying if at any point you feel uncomfortable, we can always stop the examination. So it, yeah, we never yeah. will go through with an examination if someone feels com- uncomfortable at any point. Yeah. Um, so it's always with the consent of the patient and um, generally no, it, yeah. sh- it shouldn't be painful. Um, but yeah, there is a selection of people that it might be. Yeah. Although I think after having a baby, you kind of like, well, <laughs> yeah. they've done that. <laughs> what else is going to, you know, can't be any worse than um, doing that. Um, yeah. So I, another question I was going to ask, I'm asking for a friend, of course, um, <laughs> is it normal to wee when you cough, after, especially po- like after you have a baby? Like I know so many women who talk about it, you know, who sneeze or cough and, you know, yep. a little bit of wee comes out or if you have gastro like I did a few <laughs> months ago, like it was just everything was just gone yeah so um is that normal i 
I would say common, okay, not, yep. not normal. Yep. Um, one in three ladies who have had a baby will suffer from or experience what we call stress urinary incontinence, which yep. is the leaking of urine with coughing and sneezing or abdominal pressure. Okay. Um, so that can happen commonly after vaginal delivery, even more commonly after um, complex vaginal deliveries or traumatic vaginal deliveries with successive tearing, mm. big babies, um, use of instruments like forceps. Okay. Um, Babies coming through breach uh, yep. or like, oh, sorry. Just <laughs> right. knock it down the studio. <laughs> um, yeah, bottom first. Um, yep. Or if they come through facing the other direction, um, yep. it, it puts, more, yeah, puts mm. more pressure through the pelvic floor. So that can increase chances of tearing yep. um, and therefore losing a little bit of support through that area as well. Um, okay. Connective tissue can get disrupted um, when delivering babies too. Yep. So all of those things kind of can upset the support network. Yep. So, yeah, I guess the answer is common yes. not normal yeah um, but there is a lot of evidence now to support that strengthening um, supervised strengthening with a pelvic floor physio over a period of time can help to significantly improve if not cure that was my next question is it yeah is, is there a yes. cure <laughs> there's lots of stuff we can do okay. um, in addition to strengthening we have um pessaries which surprising i've got a pessary support <laughs> box sitting underneath the microphone today very professional we're <laughs> off the couch and we've, we've got the toolbox um so pessaries can be really helpful to um provide extra support particularly for ladies who might have had some tearing of the connective tissue okay um or in the earlier stages postnatal when the body's still recovering it's still recoiling and healing yeah you might just need that additional support um, I like to uh, look at it similarly to like a support bra. So you're not okay. going to go running around without a bra on, especially in those early postnatal periods because yeah. like your boobs <laughs> are often a lot bigger, <laughs> yeah. heavier, um, and, and the bra will help to give you that support. So a pessary does a similar thing and can help with um, leaking as well, if oh. fitted correctly. Okay. And what is a pessary? That's my next question because I have no idea what that is. <laughs> um, so a pessary is a silicon device, it's a yep. medical device okay. that is normally fitted by either a women's health physio who's trained in pessary fitting yep. or a gynecologist might fit one as well. Okay. Um, and they basically sit inside and they support the walls of the vagina, oh, wow. which then helps to support um, bladder, bowel and uterus. So it's used for ladies with prolapse as well. Okay. So um, the descent of organs within that um, cavity. Yeah. Um, but it can also help with leaking too. So oh, wow. it depends on the reasoning um, for having the pessary fitted, um, what type of pessaries would be fitted for that person. Yep. And then the same as a bra, it, mm-hmm. it's very individual to your anatomy. Yeah. So everyone's anatomy in that area is very different. Absolutely. Um, and so we, we fit accordingly to yeah. what we find. So I've already learned something. Yeah, that that's so interesting. <laughs> and I was also thinking as you were talking then, obviously, again, the gold standard would be for probably, yes, all pregnant women to get an assessment, right? Like if that was your choice, would you just recommend all women, yeah. regardless of symptoms or not, come and have an assessment? Yeah. But if that's not the case, what would be some red flags or just some symptoms to be looking out for for some dysfunction happening in the pelvic floor for someone who is pregnant that you yeah. would be great yeah be going hey maybe come and see me because i know for me like i did have a little bit of leaking during pregnancy i also had some pelvic girdle pain and but yeah if you yeah so just some things that we can look out for when we're pregnant to go okay maybe i need to go and make that appointment absolutely and it's a great question too so um we look for you know the common complaints which would be leaking with coughing and sneezing leaking with vomiting um constipation is another one as well Mm -hmm. um 
pelvic girdle pain, so pain um, at the back of the pelvis, but also yep. pain at the front of the pelvis in the yep. pubic symphysis there. Um, any heaviness or dragging in the pelvis, mm-hmm. that's another good indication as well. And one that people probably don't often associate with pelvic floor dysfunction is painful intercourse. Mm. Um, so painful intercourse can indicate potentially um, a high tone or an overactive pelvic floor, um, tight pelvic floor. Um, and if people are wanting or ladies are wanting to have a vaginal delivery that is successful and minimize tearing, then we want to be kind of assessing and making sure that we can downtrain, stretch and prepare the pelvic mm. floor because something that's already very tight um, is going to need a lot more work than someone's pelvic floor who's quite mobile. Yeah. I feel like that's a really important topic to talk to because I know through my experience when I was pregnant and I was looking into just doing my own research and you know pelvic floor exercises and I came across some information around a high toned pelvic floor yeah and was reading the symptoms and I was like oh I think this is me yeah <laughs> and like you I was a gymnast growing up and mm-hmm. I've always been into like fitness so I think naturally when you're that way inclined you probably are more likely to be higher toned in that area and then if you're someone who carries a lot of stress in the body yes um, <laughs> big, yeah has yeah a huge so impact stress yep yeah so I think it's good to talk to because it there's a lot of um discussion around doing all these exercises and like Mm -hmm. kegels and tightening but yeah you're right if there's someone who actually has a high tone then really it's the loosening and lengthening that needs to happen but I think yeah culturally we're all like oh it's all about toning and getting stronger down there yes Mm. Mm. and I guess that's a common misconception too that having the tightest pelvic floor ever is like the ideal, but in yeah. fact it can become dysfunctional when it gets too tight. Yeah. Um, so we we do look for a muscle that can completely contract and completely relax um, in order for all the pelvic floor, um, in order for all the functions of the mm. um, body to be performed. So if you can't relax your pelvic floor, people might have issues with completely emptying their bladder or yeah. they might yeah. em- be able to empty their bowels. Um, intercourse is difficult. They might have um, pain in the back or the hips or the front of the pelvis. Mm-hmm. Um, they're probably the most common signs of um, someone that's got like a tighter pelvic floor mm-hmm. and absolutely yeah, tighter. Um, I mean, if you've got a higher tone pelvic floor and no symptoms, then that might be great for you. But mm. um, if you if you have a high tone pelvic floor a lot of the time, it may be associated with symptoms as we've just listed. Yeah. And I think yeah. as well, when you mentioned we were talking about stress um, being yeah. a big factor. Mm-hmm. And I know when you were doing your examination with me, we were looking at um, there was a lot of my signs that were indicating towards a higher toned pelvic floor. Yep. But then you were looking at my rib cage and you were like, oh, your rib cage is very narrow, like mm-hmm. it's sitting in very inward. And you were getting me to focus on my breath and breathing into that rib cage and helping it to expand. Yes. Um, and I went away from that. And I'm someone who is very conscious of my stress and anxiety. And I talk about that a lot on my my Instagram page and with my clients, but even having you bring that into my awareness that day, I recognized when I was triggered in a a situation that was stressful for me, how much I did actually Mm. stop breathing and draw in, in that area. So it's just like little things like that. I think from these appointments are, like little gold gems that and in your mind you would never think away. you would walk I out I would with never that. have even thought no not at all no and it, and I think we really underestimate the benefit of cr- like correct breathing technique mm. and the effect on the body as a whole yeah. um but absolutely when it comes to pelvic floor if your diaphragm doesn't move um so your ribs don't move when you're breathing then your pelvic floor gets a lot less movement so it should actually throughout the day our diaphragm drops and descends on a breath in and our pelvic floor can kind of relax and lengthen to some degree. Mm-hmm. If we never move our diaphragm and we breathe up in our neck and shoulders, mm-hmm. then the diaphragm kind of sits still and so does your pelvic floor. And if it's kind yeah. of stagnant all day and not moving, then it does lose its ability to move as much as we need it to. So sometimes retraining breathing is 
all we need to do with someone that has high tone um, muscles but you know it can be quite a complex presentation as well mm. that needs lots and lots of work mm-hmm. um, and lots of time to kind of resolve yeah and that's amazing yeah. isn't it because obviously breath is so important when it comes to pregnancy and we focus so much on that and you know you're going through labor and you breathe it's all about your breath but you don't think about it in every day-to-day life you're like well i'm breathing like mm. you don't specifically think well how am i breathing though yeah so that just yeah it's so interesting what I was thinking about was you just then Tara was um with your first birth with Bo and how um you went through the labor quite well but then you ended up with your third degree tear yeah um and how we've talked about this with your birth experience and how um you look at that time and you kind of have already acknowledged that okay it wasn't that there was necessarily anything wrong with my body but you did get a little bit tapped out and maybe not be able to be very relaxed but in all of this has it tweaked anything in you to think, well, maybe my pelvic floor wasn't that it was weak, that it was tight? Or like, has it sparked any thought in you around your pelvic floor from that experience that you could take into going into your second Definitely. And I don't think I probably thought about my pelvic floor enough going into the pregnancy, like the delivery and labor. I don't think anybody does. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I know, you know, you think about the breathing, I knew about perennial mat, is it perineal? We never pronounce that word properly. Perineal massage. Perineal massage. (laughs) Uh, I did all that. Um, and so in my mind, I was kind of like, well, I've done that. I've done the massage. I've done all the things. And I still tore. So I was kind of like, you know, a bit disappointed in myself. Mm. Um, but I was saying to Kayla with my labor, I had a water birth. Mm-hmm. And I just remember one, like I did hypnobirthing. So my breathing was really good. Wasn't until that moment where he was descending. Um, when I lost my breath, I was like, oh, I started to panic a little bit. And yes. I reckon there was one stage I just pushed too hard. I was like, get him out of here. Yeah. And I think I pushed against what my body was telling me to do. So I feel, I mean, that's just the reasoning in my head. I feel like that's the reason I tore, but it might not have been. Um, at the end of the day, I could be genetically just, you know, that. that yeah. was, but now going to my second birth, I'm like, well, I need to start thinking about everything. Um, especially, you know, my pelvic floor coming into it. Cause I want to make sure that, you know, I don't go back and have a third degree tear. Yeah. Um, so I guess um, I got a question to lead into that is like, what can you do in my position, I guess, who's had a third degree tear? Is there anything I could do beyond the, the massage that could assist? I mean, at the end of the day, I know, you know, some tears happen. Yes. But if there's something you can put into place, I guess, to help yeah. lessen. Absolutely. And we, we have a package that we actually specifically designed for this. Yeah. Um, wow. So it's basically like a pre-birth or a birth prep um, package that yep. we offer that includes perineal massage um so we um we can start all of the birth prep kind of from 35 weeks okay um so includes perineal massage um pelvic stretches breathing strategies teaching pushing yeah positions for labor all of those types of things do have a big impact um on on the success of a vaginal delivery yeah or um the amount of um trauma that can happen in a vaginal delivery but in saying that, I mean, pelvic floor physio is just one component of it. And yeah, obviously there's course. all, mm. you know, the things that happen with the baby. And yeah, if it gets positioning. Into, and, yeah, position yeah. and that kind of thing too. Um, we do recommend as well, um, ladies, particularly for first deliveries, yeah. um, we do a thorough assessment at 20 weeks. Okay. And that can kind of, we go through uh, risk factors for trauma. Yeah. So uh, we measure what you call, um, what's called the perineal body, which is the part of tissue between the vagina um, and the anus. So yep. that little bit um, that often will tear yep. in delivery. and we can kind of assess if you're a higher risk um, person for vaginal delivery with that. Yeah. And in which case we start the um, birth prep or pre- uh, stretching and perineal massage bang on that 35 weeks. Okay. And 
um, what else are we looking for in that? So history of um, incontinence or leaking yep. would put you at higher risk. Um, ladies that are very underweight, similarly ladies that are very overweight can yep. be in that higher risk category. Um, ladies with gestational diabetes, um, ladies with a high risk of having a bigger baby, so over four kilos. Yeah. Um, of Indian or Asian descent would put you at higher risk. Uh, I think that's the list. Yeah, wow. Yeah. That's just so good that to know. That sounds like a great, yeah. yeah and because it's a great I was package. going to book in, I was saying to Kayla, I want to book in to see, see you. Yes. Um, just to put my mind at ease too and just to have that, you know, um, to have it looked at because I didn't do it last time. Um, yeah. Afterwards, obviously, I was um, referred to the hospital to get the checkup afterwards, but I still don't think it was prominently like, pushed to me how important it is it was like well you've got this checkup so yes um and i remember it was like the two month mark or something and she was like oh so is sex painful and i'm like uh i had a vaginal birth i have not had sex and i don't plan on having sex for a long time (laughs) (laughs) and she's like well you kind of need to so that we can i'm like well i'm not going to do it just just because i was traumatized after it like that yeah um so it's common really common mm, to be afraid of intercourse post postnatally yeah um and Definitely, it can be uncomfortable for a lot of ladies. Yeah. Um, especially if you're breastfeeding, our estrogen levels remain, um, remain quite low, which makes you very dry down there. So yep. sometimes ladies will come in there like, "Oh, had intercourse for the first time. It was just horrendous. But <laughs> not not going back there anytime soon." I'm like, "Oh, well, did you use some lubricant?" They're like, "No." Yeah. <laughs> None of us think to do that because, yeah, no. you know, you're in the moment anyway. But yep. um, as soon as we get lubricant in play, that makes a significant improvement because yep. you know dryness and intercourse don't go well together no no um, definitely not <laughs> definitely not um but kind of going back to answering your question properly um for, for someone like you who has had a previous like a traumatic delivery individual assessment because it, yeah. it depends on what we find in assessment on how we would then approach your preparation for the following one yeah because i did see yeah. my gp the other day because i was saying to kayla i was feeling a bit i'm feeling a bit heavy down there yes and i said look it's the second birth you know second pregnancy so i think that may be a little bit normal um, but she quickly did like a bit of a quick exam just to make sure that I wasn't, um, what's the word? Prolapsing. Prolapsing, <laughs> yeah. uh, which she said I wasn't, but she did. Um, but I said, I'm still would like to see a physio, like someone who specializes in that area so that I can be, you know, helped, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> just and- anything to ease my mind absolutely and heaviness is a pretty common complaint in pregnancy too yeah um, sometimes it can be just that the baby's sitting um on the pelvis and that feels heavy um it can be that you've got a lot of extra um blood flow and swelling in that area some ladies okay. get very swollen in in the pelvis during pregnancy yeah um ladies that might get vulval varicosities if you've ever yeah, heard my, of them yeah um they are horrendous i had them in my pregnancies oh, and yep. they're so painful yeah um but there's lots of things that we can do to help improve that as well um so yeah heaviness can happen for a lot of different reasons yeah so getting assessed and working out why it's happening um it, it may just be part of the pregnancy but there may be things that we can do to make you feel more comfortable yeah as well. definitely and i do yeah. i know i've got a very active baby so <laughs> it does not stop yeah uh, so they're probably bouncing around down there on my pelvic floor <laughs> yeah. um you're talking about the um sorry my nose keeps getting blocked every episode we every talk about episode. this my nose um <laughs> she's allergic to the mic t- yeah maybe <laughs> you were talking about the postpartum checkup the six-week checkup you yep. go to gp they kind of just do their thing um i know for me it was probably looking back it was probably like go like mentioned as in like maybe go and book an appointment but it's not a standard procedure which i think Ali, you're probably like, I just want to get this as like a, we need to do this for everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also though, I was, I had an emergency C-section. Mm-hmm. So I definitely 
know that I kind of wrote off my pelvic floor. I was like, obviously I knew that like abdominal stuff was important because I'd had this like surgery there. But I was like, when it came to intercourse, I was like, oh, well, I've had, I've had a Caesar. Like it's going to be the same down there. (laughs) Easy. Little did I actually realize that I'd also labored, like I'd forgotten essentially that I'd labored for 21 hours. So like, yes, that had still been a part of it. We do that. (laughs) (laughs) But I know for me, like coming to that point of, yeah, having intercourse, it was so, it was so tight. And I remember speaking to some friends and they were like, yeah, me too. Like, and it's, what are your thoughts on that? Like just the tightness after a cesarean or just pelvic floor assessments after cesarean? Yeah, mm. I have tried to find research papers on this because I see it in the clinic all the time. Mm. Um, I actually put a question out to my um, women's health group, um, it would have been a couple of months ago, to ask what everyone else thought. And they mm-hmm. were like, yeah, we've never seen the papers either, but it's very common that we see mm. that. Um, it could be that you were higher toned before you delivered and mm-hmm. maybe that's um, what became the complicating factor for you having that vaginal delivery. But I also think that it's a protective response. So if you think about when you hurt your back, Mm -hmm. um, that your back muscles go into spasm to protect you, Mm -hmm. um, I think it's very similar for the pelvic floor. So post-C-section, it's painful, right? Mm -hmm. You've had surgery um, and your body is responding to that. So it is a protective response, I think. Um, But again, it's another really good reason um, post-C-section to have um, a vaginal exam Mm -hmm. or to have an assessment because... Um, firstly, yeah, it is common to have that tightness, but secondly, pregnancy alone is a risk factor for pelvic floor dysfunction. Um, and regardless of your mode of delivery, a hundred percent of women will get abdominal separation. Mm -hmm. Um, whether that's problematic or not, it depends on the person, but sometimes all you need is that one assessment to just go, okay, cool. I'm good. Mm. Or I need to implement these strategies now to give me the best chance of a good recovery. And if you do that in the earlier stages, you generally have better outcomes long-term as well. Mm. Yeah, Interesting. I think it's just, yeah, it's something that, again, is interesting that when you actually start talking about it, how many women are experiencing these things, but it's just on a bigger scale, not being talked about and not being um, supported, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. What's like, I guess that leads us to like, what's, do you think has been the biggest change in the industry in the last five years? Do you think it's becoming more talked about and, you know, more, there's more awareness around it? Yeah, absolutely. More awareness for sure. I think um, Instagram and social media has been really helpful in that respect that ladies are talking about it and therefore feeling less uncomfortable to say, hey, I'm going to go get a women's health um, assessment. I'm going to get my pelvic floor checked because mm. so many other people are doing it, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's more normal. Yeah. Um, I think I think that's been one of the biggest changes. Um, but the other big change that has happened probably, oh, it might even be more like 10 years now, but is the advice on exercise in pregnancy. Okay. Um, there's been huge shifts. If you think about when... Um, and I, I remember when I was pregnant, my mum just the whole time was like, oh, you're doing too much exercise. You know, you need to just be sitting and resting and eating yeah. too. And, mm. and it's just not, it's not the advice anymore. Yeah. In fact, it's quite the contrast in that the if evidence now supports that um, exercising through pregnancy in the absence of a high risk um, pregnancy. So as long as you've had clearance from a GP and obstetrician, yeah. it's actually protective mm-hmm. um, against the mum and the baby. And it has so many benefits in preventing things like hypertension, gestational diabetes, yeah. um, preeclampsia, um, some pretty big and potentially um, dangerous conditions that can happen in pregnancy. Yeah. Um, but in addition to that, mental health wise, um, 
you yeah. know, keeps you um, feeling a lot more positive about your body and about life in yeah, general definitely. with the happy Absolutely. endorphins that you get from exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> the third thing, um, being nice and strong helps with um, delivery as well. So yeah, there's yeah. a lot of research to support that pelvic floor strengthening and being active through pregnancy helps with a quicker delivery faster recovery yeah better mental health is just you know less use of instruments in vaginal delivery so less use of forceps less yeah. use of vacuum those types of things um that can increase risk of trauma so yeah just i'm the biggest advocate for being active in pregnancy mm-hmm. yeah. and remaining active throughout pregnancy and getting back to moving early postpartum yeah. um depending on symptoms of course yeah and within your realm of comfort Definitely. And I think yeah. that is that, that generational difference too, isn't it? Like our parents' generation, it was very much like, oh, you can't do anything if you've never exercised before. Don't start anything you've never done before. Yeah. Yep. Um, even when I was doing yoga throughout my last pregnancy, I've done nothing this pregnancy because I chase after a toddler. <laughs> I'm like, have, that is exercise. That is your exercise. That is my exercise. Sorry, doesn't stop. We do yeah. a lot of walking <laughs> um, and running. But um, I was doing a lot of yoga and I know some people say, oh, should you really be doing that now? Mm. And I'm like, I'm not like, yoga is pretty like, you know, out of all the exercises, if yes. anything. And I remember I was telling Kayla one day, I got really offended because I was, I used to swim every morning at the beach. And so I'd go in, I think I was maybe at the 20, I was showing, it was 25, six weeks or something like that. And so I'd go out and swim and it, the waves were pretty, you know, pretty fine that day. And a lady said to me, oh, should you be going in there, love? Or an older lady yeah. kind of grabbed me. She's like, are you safe to go in there? And I, was, I said to Kayla, I was really triggered. I was like, I'm fine. Like, I'm just pregnant. Like, <laughs> yeah. I got really offended. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know what I was holding on to that. Um, but it's just, it is a generational thing. It's Definitely. like, you know, you should be sitting on the beach and not moving and not mm. be in the water and, you know safety obviously but um yeah it was just interesting the the generational difference yeah all of that well the guidelines now actually recommend that we continue to do moderate intensity activity on most if not all days of the week and also incorporate at least two sessions of strength training a week to have a healthy um, active life when you're pregnant um so yeah the guidelines have changed a lot (laughs) that's amazing and um yeah, I mean, there's so many things that we can do when we're pregnant. You know, there's lots of um, antenatal Pilates around, yeah. yoga, that kind of thing, swimming, walking. Um, yeah. Really, you can start new exercise when you're pregnant. If you haven't been doing it, you yep. just started at a lower level and mm-hmm. under guidance. Yeah, and that's why um, I was saying to Kayla about bump because I want to go do some classes. Yeah. And I messaged him because I used to love reformer Pilates. Yes. And I didn't know you could do reformer Pilates when you were pregnant. Um, and I actually messaged them the other day, just like, yeah, we absolutely do it. Obviously, yeah. it's different; it's modified for mm. to after a certain, um, you know, point after twenty eight weeks or something. You don't lie on your back as often, and we work it around you, which is amazing yeah. to know that there's places out there that help you and guide you. Because I'd love to do reformer again, so I'm like, I'm going to book in for one of those. Yeah, and Beck set up an amazing um, place at Bump in Definitely. Southport. She's done such a fabulous job, and it's so beautiful. It, yes. her place. Um, yeah, we, now we, we talked a lot time. about it in our yeah. last episode because I've been going there and. It's oh, it's incredible. Such a supportive space. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, so oh. kind of leaning in from the exercise of what women can do when they're pregnant, is there a takeaway that you could give to just women, I guess, in general, whether you're pregnant, trying to conceive or postpartum in our day-to-day life, is yeah. there one thing we could be doing to just too. helping to support our pelvic floor a little bit better? Yeah, absolutely. Staying active is probably mm-hmm. the number one. Mm-hmm. Um, avoiding constipation mm-hmm. sounds 
not that important, but it is a huge risk factor for pelvic floor dysfunction alone without being pregnant. So um, add a bub sitting on top of your organs and then a loaded rectum or um, having to strain every time you empty your bowels. Um, That's a huge thing and modifiable thing that we can work on too. So staying hydrated helps Mm -hmm. with that. Um, And then trying to maintain um, a healthy weight gain through your pregnancy. um, That makes a really big difference as well. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. Good to know. That's awesome. Well, I think is, we covered. Oh, Zeke, do you have more questions? Oh, there was just. Um, I was just going to say, do you have an ex like one exercise or something that you could recommend to pregnant women leading up to vaginal birth? Is there anything, um, you know, one thing you could say? Well, if you work on this, obviously, you know, advice is different for everybody, but yep, one for me basically. <laughs> What can I be doing right now? I, I think once I do your assessment, I can give you a tailored approach for that. That would um, be amazing. Absolutely. There's no, there's no blanket answer for that. Mm. But, um, you know, making sure that your pelvic floor um, maintains strength through yep. pregnancy is super important. Um, if you're having issues with relaxing the pelvic floor, then we look at different things, but it still needs to be strong and functional. Yeah. Um, making sure, actually, this is a good one coordination wise making sure you lift your pelvic floor before you cough and sneeze so this is what we call the knack it's a really silly name but um, basically just means to use your pelvic floor when your body actually needs the help Um, sometimes I find ladies have quite strong pelvic floor but they just don't use it when they need it so thinking about lifting and contracting your pelvic floor before you cough and sneeze, lifting and contracting your pelvic floor before you lift heavy things. Yeah. It's so is that like a Kegel movement? Is that when you yeah, like... Yeah, absolutely. It so, yeah, right. Suck um, it in, Tara. Suck it in. <laughs> the easiest way to think about a pelvic floor contraction, like you're trying to stop wee and wind at the same time. Yep. Okay. okay. So lift and hold through that area. And as you're holding, we cough. And if you practice that, you'll actually feel a lot less downward pressure and hopefully a lot less leaking each time because it actually helps to support um, your bladder neck. Um, It helps to close that... sphincter as well to yeah. stop the wee coming out mm-hmm. um stops the farts coming out to yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. um, so it and, <laughs> and it's actually protective against stretching the ligaments that hold up the bladder bowel and the uterus so oh, that's, that's a, a great good little tip. habit that's to get awesome. into yeah i'm just um, laughing over here though because i'm trying to like imagine myself and it, it, it is so doable because i'm all about awareness and having good intention behind what we do every day so it's definitely achievable for all of us to actually come into the present moment and be aware yeah but i'm just laughing because when you're not aware and you're like doing your like thing with your toddlers and your kids and your babies and then you're like hang on a second i've got to i'm just laughing at myself trying to go oh i need a cough but hang on a second pull it up but yes i'm gonna give it a go too the more you practice it the more automatic it becomes so there's your motivation but even on your page the other day you did mention something quickly that um if you don't need to go to the toilet don't just go for the sake of it i saw that and i'm like that is because i do that i'm like peeing just in case yeah yep Oh, it's just like, that's amazing because I would do that. I'm like, I'm going to leave the house. I should just pee. I'm going to try and pee. I feel like we're trained like that from children though, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And it's not really helpful. Um, So definitely we generally say um, if you don't have an urge to go empty your bladder, then hold off. Yeah. Um, Bowels are the very opposite though. We we always teach to go on that first urge of emptying the bowels because if you wait for that, um, the internal anal sphincter will then close and also water starts um, resorbing from um, the stool, which makes it harder to empty. So um, emptying on first urge for bowels and holding off if you can for your bladder. Wow. Hmm. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so obviously if anyone <laughs> wants to follow your page, you do have some great advice on there. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I guess we've got – so what we want to do is start like asking you know, a few motherhood questions. You're mm-hmm. a mum of three. Um, so we've got a few questions about motherhood before we go, unless there's anything else you'd like to cover. I think we've covered quite a lot. I oh, my God, we've done so much of it. I'm so, so excited. I'm not so going to go good. home and like, make notes about it, listen to it again, <laughs> <laughs> write it all down. 
Um, so I'll ask the first question. What is your favourite thing about motherhood? So my favourite thing about motherhood is I love seeing the world through um, my children's eyes. I yeah. just... It always amazes me you go walking and they, they see the flowers and they see mm. the clouds that are changing shape and they see all those beautiful things. Whereas I think when we, you know, we get older and we're busier, you kind of don't see that anymore. And I think yeah. it's such a shame. So yes. I, I love bring, I'm bringing that back to my attention. And, That's awesome. And seeing, like forces you to stop. Yeah, and the think, yeah in the yeah. world that we don't pay attention to enough mm. anymore. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah. that's great. beautiful. And on that note, what is your least favorite thing about motherhood? Yeah, and I think we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but you know, I've been a working mum. I went back to work at three weeks with my first bub. Um, wow! Oh my! Yeah. <laughs> oh, go my you. brain was not even. I was, <laughs> say I was crying on the couch eating Doritos or something. <laughs> yeah, I think each time it got harder, but I was lucky. Like um, Tracy, who a lot of the ladies that come into the clinic are very familiar with. Um, my practice manager, she Nana Trace, we call her. Yeah. Um, she Love has it. helped with all my kids, so I brought yeah. them in. I got to breastfeed them at work, and it was actually yeah. kind of easier oh that's oh, wow. cool. um, so you had actually so I had a very them here. incorporated yeah. that here. that's yeah. so good but in saying that i think the mum guilt you know mm. I, I find yep. that the most challenging thing because you know when you're at work you're guilty you feel guilty that you're not with your kids and then when you're not with your kids i feel guilty i'm not at work and that's the challenge that i find juggling both and trying to find a happy medium with both of those things um because you can't always get the balance no, as absolutely. much as you try no, no. Um, and we just yeah, literally did a whole episode on mum guilt because it's, it's so common. It is. Yeah. It's like you do little things. You just like every time you're like, it's easy to for it to creep up on you. Absolutely. And you know what's interesting though is like you were saying with your children, your favorite part of motherhood is that they they notice the small things, right? Yeah. Mm. That we forget. And what they're doing is actually being fully present. They actually don't have all these thoughts in their head yet of, mm, of like, you know, where I should them. be, what I should be doing. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> lucky them. We started there the same. It's just through life experience that we've come to create these stories. Yeah. And in those moments where we have mum guilt and, you know, being at work, you're doing such amazing work in the work you do serving the women that come through this door. Yeah. And I think if a little takeaway from your own children is like to be fully present in what you're doing and, you know, mm. go, I can hear that little story up there, but I'm actually serving right here, right now. And my children are where they are being, you know, connecting and doing whatever they're doing, but I'm yeah. in this present moment and I'm just yeah. so grateful that I have that. And, like and they're that seeing mum being passionate about something yeah. too. Yeah. Like that's like, awesome. There's so many positives in it. Yeah. Thank so you. Doing amazing great, work. great advice. <laughs> I'll take that away. <laughs> and one more thing to take away. Oh, Hopefully yeah. our listeners can take away from you. What is your best mum hack? I don't know if it's a hack, but um, I love good food and nutrition. It's a, yeah. it's a huge value of mine, eating well and, mm-hmm. you know, having nutrients that um, fuel my body. So mm-hmm. meal prep, that's yeah. my mum hack. I Maybe the hack is the slow cooker. Yeah. Oh, my God. Right. Love a slow cooker. Yeah. Praise the slow cooker. I need a slow cooker. Yeah. Every, every <laughs> Sunday I try and... How have you not... Sorry. What? I know. I don't have a slow cooker. Sorry. I have not yeah. survived this... Two years of yeah, motherhood without a really? sleep. I've been using the old oven. I'm like, oh no, an you old need a fashion. sleep cooker. Bang it on in the morning. You come home at night. It's done. I think because I've got such fear of the house burning down. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> that's, that's like right. my big fear. <laughs> well, I can vouch that my house hasn't burnt down as yours. Yeah, well, true. Yeah, no, no, I use it regularly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, well, that's a good one. I, so, yeah, yeah, that meal, is a good one. Meal prep. Yep. Yep. Perfect. And I noticed that you do share a few meals. I saw that the other day you shared something. I'm like, that looks amazing. I'm always looking for dinner inspiration and you yeah. made something really yummy. And I'm like, I'm going to save that, which I did. I <laughs> so thought- where, I was, sorry, I was going to say, where can people find you to follow all your, I know we mentioned it at the start, but give so, yourself a- Yeah, my Instagram page is Chevron Island Ladies. Yep. 
um, and I work out of Chevron Island Physio um, on the Gold Coast. So yeah. we are just in between, like a nice little stroll across the bridge to the beach, which oh, is so beautiful. It's so, so nice beautiful. here. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's where I am a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy, busy schedule to be with us today. I know. Thank you so thank much. You. It's been so good. That's been great. I've loved it. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, we'll see you all next week. See you next time. Bye. See ya. Bye.